Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Southern Songbird Farm podcast. I am Carrie Shepperson. And I am Farmer Doug. Hello, folks. Hey, Farmer Doug. All right, so today we are going to finish up our Chicken Keeping 101 series. Um, it's going to be a little bit longer. We usually try to keep these to 30 minutes. This one may go a little bit over, but we want to kind of wrap it up. So we're going to talk about roosters. We're going to talk about broody hens. And we're going to talk about um, kind of like end of life slash what to do if you got a sick chicken. Because I think that's an important part of chicken keeping. So we're going to touch on all those things and we won't go into depth on every single one, but we'll definitely give you some good resources to check out for that. So Doug, do you have our farm update? All right. Yeah, we got a update for, for you folks. So currently, uh, we've just in the last little bit, uh, spring's come along a little bit quick. I understand we're still going to have some cold weather. I, I firmly believe that, but I totally bombed the winter, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, Your forecast was was crap. Yeah, it was just based on history. But anyway, update uh, on the farm right now. We've currently um, got all of our uh, commercial pasture egg layers. Uh, we've got them out on the spring uh, grass now, and they're doing well, enjoying the new grass and and all that stuff. Uh, we kind of had them secluded to a certain area during the winter time, uh, just because they're so destructive. And so we've got them out on pasture. Uh, we're starting a rotation with them. They'll be moved every three to five days based on the weather uh, and based on uh, the grass structure and all that stuff. Because you know, if you let them stand there too long, they'll they'll make holes and and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that's going to destruct it but you know anything you put enough pressure on anything and it kind of becomes destructive and the other thing is our layer ducks uh, which we pretty much pass for them all winter long but now we've got the new ones they're uh, 15 weeks carry 14 15 yeah weeks. that's about right and if you all follow us on instagram or if you don't hop over to instagram we are southern songbird farm on instagram and we have um I got them from like, I have yeah. them from like day old out of the box up until we put them on pasture. So you can check us out there and you can see how we kind of raised them from the brooder to out on the grass. So yeah. now, Doug, we have done what with them? Well, we've moved them. We've had them outside, which you'll see that in Instagram. So uh, we're up to the point now to where they're, 15, I think about 15 weeks or so. And so now they're going away from the chick starter grower to regular non-GMO pelleted feed like the rest of them. And today they get introduced to the other flock. So we've got them all in there together now and they're all having little attitudes and the goose is having an attitude, but everybody's out yeah. on pasture. Leonard, Leonard's a little confused. He yeah. He's very daddy-like with the ducks, but he keeps trying to separate these two groups because he thinks, like, these are one and these are the other, and he's yeah. trying to hurt everybody. But I think after a couple of days, he's not been aggressive with them. He's not tried to attack anybody, so we're just going to watch them closely, and they'll sort it out in a day or two. Yeah. But other than that, I don't know of any updates. Yeah, I think oh, those are our big yeah. ones. That's the, that's the big updates. Uh, we're coming along with the uh, garden boxes. Yep, we've got our garden boxes mm -hmm. up, our raised beds. Um, we've got a new YouTube video out on that if you want to check that mm -hmm. out. And I've got um, tomatoes, eggplants, and peppers are all in my greenhouse. Um, there's a few other things I want to start. I've got some peas in. I've got um, lettuce going. Carrots and we've got uh, carrots and onions. Uh, I need to go ahead and put my beets in. 
Um, so we've got a lot going on. So we do follow us along on. and we'll share our journey. So we're going to come to the uh, facts and myth portion of the show. I want to shout out to my dear, dear friend, Sarah. This is her favorite part. And so this goes out to you, Sarah. We've got some good chicken facts for you today. Are you ready, <laughs> Doug, for the chicken facts? Sure. I'm always... <laughs> I know this is your favorite part. Enamored by all these weird facts. Okay, so chickens can remember over a hundred different faces of people or animals. I think it's false. I don't think that's false at all. I think it's they false. know you and they know me. They can remember the last place they stood. That's not true. You're too dramatic. <laughs> all right. Um, moving on. A mother hen, which we're gonna talk about today, so this is a good mm -hmm. fact for today. She will turn her eggs about 50 times per day. So, That's and she, impressive. Yeah, and she knows exactly how she turned yeah. them before, and she knows exactly what temperature and humidity to keep them, and it's pretty amazing. I'll tell you what, while she's on this real quick, if you all, uh, if anybody out here just is bored or just wants to do something for fun or something to do something for an activity for a lesson, Get you a camera, hide it in a broody box, and just record this chicken's everyday activity. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing how she turns them and moves them and all that. And, I mean, it, it'd be pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, another egg fact is, so we talked about last time that a chicken lays an egg about every 24 to 28 hours, roughly. And if there's a malfunction, like sometimes, you know, you'll get a double yolk. So that means like her body shot two yolks down the oviduct and they got surrounded by the white and the shell. And then sometimes her body just makes too many a day. So the record number of eggs laid by one chicken in one day was seven. I mean, her body was in overdrive. Now, was it shelled or was it? Like yeah, no, it's shelled. Yolk. No, it's shelled. Okay. Huh? And the number record number of eggs laid per one chicken in one year was 371. So she was doing more than one a day. Oh, it's very rare. Very. Um, moving along, an egg develops at 88 degrees Fahrenheit. That's where they have to be to develop. But they are laid at 105 degrees. There you go. Now think about how hot, like when you've picked up an egg that is freshly laid, a puppy smoking. It's, they're hot. And baby warm. <laughs> they are warm <laughs> right out of the chute. So anyway, that's kind of an interesting fact. And baby's warm. And, and also that, and because of that, that being so warm, that's why it takes eggs a little while to freeze during cold weather. So if you do it on a regu yeah. regular basis of gathering eggs, the likelihood of it being frozen is going to be right slim. unless it is just horribly yeah. horribly below freezing like yeah. zero degree temps if you're collecting pretty frequently they won't freeze yeah. and then the last um fact that's kind of baby egg oriented and this is so cool i love science baby chicks develop object permanence as soon as two days old do you know how long do you know how old a human baby is when they figure that out and what I mean by that is, like, you know how you take a blanket and you play, like, peekaboo with a baby? Mm -hmm. And they don't know that, like, they don't, they think you're really gone. They don't get that you're just behind the yeah. blanket. Seven months old. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, us hairless monkeys are, <laughs> we don't do very good as babies. <laughs> it takes say? us many years to be independent. Did you say hairless monkeys? I said hairless monkeys. Okay. 
That explains a lot. <laughs> that is all our facts. Sarah, hope you enjoyed them. This goes, that was out to you. Um, okay, so Doug, let's, why don't we start about, um, just take a little detour from the hen for a minute, because we've talked yeah. a lot about hens expe- expecting people that they, especially we've kind of tailored this toward people who won't even want them in their backyard, so we're yeah. assuming they got pullets. So let's talk for about roosters for a minute. <laughs> so first of all, roosters and chickens have been kept on farms or domesticated by people for at least 5,000 years. I mean, that's a long time that we've been doing this together. Um, but roosters are really cool. And Doug knows that I've said before that if we ever get to where we're not doing, you know, chickens for eggs anymore or something, I would completely, I love roosters. I would, I would have a rooster rescue because the funny thing about roosters is, you know, people, there's a lot of myths about roosters. First of all, there's a myth that they're all mean. We have only ever had one mean rooster ever. And his name is Kyle, <laughs> and he lives currently with our pasture chickens, and he's on two strikes out of three, and if he has a third one, he's going to be in my crock pot. But that's another story. Well, and, and these mean roosters, I, I think roosters develop temperament over their ladies. I think so, too. Yeah. I think also it's a lot of times a breed thing. Yeah. Um, and I think I mentioned before when we were talking about breeds, and we talked about how we got started with Kubalayas. Those are particular. I would have... I would easily have a Kubalaya rooster on this farm at all times. They are super brave. They are super mm-hmm. um, cognizant of what's going on around That's them. So they're very protective. And they are the most people-friendly roosters I've ever seen. I've never had one that wouldn't eat out of your hand. They have never, ever been people-aggressive. Mm-hmm. They're very nice with their ladies. They're a great breed. So you take that versus Kyle, who we got in a batch of black sex links pullets. So he's a commercial rooster. And he just has a completely different temperament. We've yeah. raised him all the same, but he just has a totally different temperament. Yeah. So um, that is a myth. They're not all mean. Like I said, we've only had one mean rooster, and he may not be mean much longer if he keeps mm. it up. Um, Kyle's a little high-strung. He's a, he's a little high-strung. And he's big enough to hurt you. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's he's not even that. He's not even full-grown, and he's yeah. he'd be big enough to hurt you. Ask my right calf. Anyway, um, so that's one myth about them. The other myth is that, of course, you have to have a rooster have eggs. We've already busted that myth in yeah. our prior show. Um, and then the other thing about roosters is that um, they just crow in the morning. They crow all day. They crow mm-hmm. for different reasons. They crow to alert people. They crow just to assert their manliness. Um, what else about roosters do you think a lot of people believe, but it's not necessarily true in real life? I don't know. I was, I'm sitting here trying to think of, of some things that people. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. The reason I could have a rooster rescue is because unless there's a hen, they don't fight. No, they don't. You can they tell them about our bachelor pad we had there for a while. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, we had we had somebody that had a bunch of roosters, and they just wanted need to get rid of them. So, we're like, we're sure we'll take them. And so, we put them out on pasture. Um. They we kept thirty and forty. Yeah, it, it was, was forty time. forty roosters. They all grew up. They all had a good old time in there. Every once in a while, you would have one. I think the only death that we had, or any trauma that we had out of any of them, was that one that got hung in the fence. Right. I think they would it. have an occasional squabble over food. Yeah. But they do not have those big cockfights like people no. imagine, unless there is a woman to fight over. Yeah. 
And we had them uh, all through the fall and winter. Yeah, they did in, great. Yeah. And, and they, then we sold them to a guy um, in yeah. the spring for meat. Yeah. Um, and they were just Rhode Island Reds. Is yeah, that what they Rhode were? Island Reds. Yeah, yeah, and we sold them in the spring to a guy for meat, and they were they were great. But they, yeah. they're really funny, and they have personalities. But they didn't, I mean, other than, you'll have hens squabble yeah. over food in the pecking order. Oh, yeah. You're always going to have little squabbles and stuff. But you do not get those big, bloody cockfights like people imagine, unless mm-hmm. there are hens to fight over and not enough hens to go around. So that's another myth. Speaking of which what oh my gosh we literally had a fight between billy joel (laughs) and omar bradley the other day oh lordy i went down to the barn and they was they had just i had seen them from the from afar (laughs) (laughs) from afar and uh, i had to go down to do some um, chores at the barn and i got down there holy smoky needless to say billy joel got the best of omar He half his comb was gone. Poor general. He looked like he had just got done drinking Kool Aid and it stained the whole front of his chest. Bless his heart. <laughs> and see, and they and we they'd not have one fight all winter long because it is springtime mm-hmm. now and they are Twitter pated and so they're in their rooster testosterone. It's almost like deer in rut in the fall. Yeah. It, with roosters, it's the spring. Yeah. So we'll have some squabbles and fights this time of year, and then they'll settle down once we yeah. get into high summer. They got so established their women. So we'll talk about a few other rooster traits. One thing that I, the reason I love them so much and it's so neat to watch them is that they, they are very romantic. Most of them. Most Our of good them. roosters that we've had Most have been very them. romantic, especially the Kubalaya. So what they'll do is they'll find the woman, the hen that they want to woo, mm-hmm. and they will take her on a little walk and they will do what's called tidbitting. And what they do is they go burr, 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 uh, on the ground and they peck around and they find her the juiciest little tidbit and they're like oh yes yes my love look at this delicious bonbon oh, that i found for you and she will be like oh how lovely and then they will go off and they will have chicken sex and then that then he'll find another lady to walk around so i mean at least they you get dinner i mean this we may have to rate this show pg-13 and omar bradley <laughs> omar bradley couldn't romance a rock no, no, he's not very romantic. I mean, Some of them are more romantic than others, but yeah. he does do the tidbitting. I have seen him do that with the hens. Has he? Yes. Um, All I've ever seen him do is anything, he does it violently. Well, we're not going to talk about that. Um, let's see. Oh, the other cool thing about some roosters, so your ones that are the romantics also have, um, are typically, you would not think of this, but they can actually be really good fathers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the um, the best father we ever had was um, Cassius, and he was our very first Kubalaya rooster. And he, I, I literally think that something could have eaten all the hens, and he would have raised those babies himself. Yeah, he would take them out. He would show them how to scratch and peck. I mean, these were mm-hmm. tiny, like little few day old chicks. He was already taking them out. It was precious. What was the other one we had that was that was really good? Abraham with- Lincoln. Abe. Yeah. Abe, Abe was, was good. good, and he was a full-blooded Kubalaya as well. Yeah. If you're Joel's looking for, bad. yeah, Billy Joel is what half Kubalaya. Yeah. So, um, if you're looking for a great rooster, I cannot recommend those enough. And if you are in the Kentucky area, we have a lady who can hook you up with some great yeah. Kubalaya cockerels. So, in a New um, York minute. In a New York minute. So, um, co- that's another thing. So, terminology. So, a cockerel is a young rooster and Mm -hmm. a cock is a full-grown rooster or you can call it a rooster obviously 
Um, there's um, also people worry about their spurs, and you should, yeah, because those things can be kind of wicked. Um, that's why we don't keep mean roosters because I don't want to be injured. I don't want our kids getting injured. I don't want our guests getting injured. Um, so like I said, Kyle's on strike two of three. <laughs> so yeah. we don't want anybody getting attacked because they, and they can, um, so let's talk about spurs a little bit. Rooster spurs will grow throughout their life. Yeah. Um, a lot of roosters are good at keeping their spurs down themselves. I think there's been one rooster out of all that we've had that we actually, just trim the ends off a little bit, like a fingernail, kind of. Not Cassius, but uh, a, Abe Lincoln. Abe his Lincoln. got just a little bit sharp, so and we just turned kinda, down. Remember, right? And we were scared it was going to um, grow back yeah. and toward his leg. So we just, but we did not remove them. Mm-hmm. We just kind of blunted the ends of them a little bit. Um, they can get a little bit long and either cause damage to themselves, or if they do fight with another rooster, they can cause damage to them. Or um, the other reason that we went ahead and just kind of trimmed Abe's was because it can sometimes, when they get on the hen's back to mate, it can cause some trauma to the hen. So that would be maybe another reason. Um, Some people will fully remove them. Some people use a hot potato and put it on the spur and twist and it takes it off. I just cannot, I'm not going to judge anybody that does that by any means because you need to do what works for your farm and for your um, Mm -hmm. backyard and whatever's good for you. But I can't bring myself to do that. Um, So unless they're just really becoming dangerous to themselves or they're just butchering the hens on accident, I will not do that. Um, Sometimes they'll also, if they grow at a funny angle, they can hit the opposite leg. That would be another um, time that you might want to have some human intervention and fix that. Um, So what about, am I missing anything about spurs? That's one of the first ways you can tell that it's a rooster and not a hen. They'll start to grow little nubs on their legs and you can see them. Yeah, I I can't really think of anything else right now as far as spurs go. So the spurs are one of their main um, secondary sex characteristics that tells you they're male. And Doug, what's some of the other ways you can tell that a rooster is a rooster and not a hen? Well, you got the comb. Right. You got the saddle feathers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times coloring is a, is a big deal. Right. That's true. So yeah. in the yeah. instance of Kyle, the black sex slings rooster, yeah. he is black and white very fine striped so we weren't sure what he was like we were yeah, like initially we, yeah we're like is this dude uh yeah, what was this thing plymouth rock or a bard rock or we couldn't figure out what he was but then we looked up black sexling rooster and there he was so mm-hmm. um and then the bl- then the ladies are completely black with like kind of a little bit of red in their breasts so completely different coloring so sometimes that'll tell you yeah um you said the comb typically it's a the little comb. bit larger larger comb a little redder yeah. Sometimes they're wattles. The things that hang down under their beak yeah. are a little redder. Um, they crow. <laughs> they do crow. There's your trick is the crow. And their feathers, um, their tail feathers is a big uh, yeah. a big thing. Yeah. So they get a little bit longer and they're usually more Droop. fountainy yeah. than, a, than a hen's. Um, yeah. They are also, I was checking my notes here, um, Oh, so that leads me to another point about roosters. If you, so it's just kind of nature's way to keep the male ratio down. So usually what you want to do is have one rooster per about every eight hens. 
So if you've got 16 hens, you technically can have two roosters. Um, if you get, if that ratio gets messed up, that's when you're going to have more fights. They actually, the hens just get raped yeah. too much, to I mean, be honest. It to their back be, feathers are yeah, gone. Yeah, it can be very damaging to your hens. So yeah. you don't want to overload the roosters. But if you're trying to figure out, oh, no, we got a, if you got straight run chicks and you're like, oh, God, four of the eight are roosters, no. you're definitely going to have to get rid of some. Yeah, you need to be. And, and on the flip side, if you have one rooster and let's say 20 hens, you're going to be okay there. But just keep in mind, if you want a hen to set, that most of those are not going to be fertile. So, right, that's you know, true that's too. That's another thing you got to think about because he can only literally take a, take care of about seven or eight hens, effectively, right, in order to keep the ratio of fertility. Now up. you might get lucky, and every one of those twenty hens yeah. may have been fertilized, but you don't want to spread it too thin, especially if you're trying to breed <laughs> or whatever. So. If all twenty hens are fertile eggs, you'll see him laying out back. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um. So what else? Oh, so. It's kind of cool if you end up with your backyard flock and you have all ladies, it is not unheard of for one of the hens to kind of have a sex change. Now, they don't, they, they, what they do is they start kind of becoming the dominant one. They'll start strutting. They'll start crowing. And if this goes on, they can actually start to develop some of the characteristics. So their feathers can change a little bit. Maybe they get a little redder in their waddle and their um, comb, but they usually will be sterile because they're not like completely, completely changing over to a male, but they will take on that role. And we actually, um, between, them. no, we? it was between Cassius when Cassius died and it took us a little bit to get Abe Lincoln to replace him. Remember, Lizzie started crowing. Yeah, Lizzie, okay. Yeah, I thought Lizzie. we had a Bantam one time and started crowing. No. <laughs> yeah. No, nope, that was Lizzie. <laughs> she was a wild woman. So she was going to fill that role for the flock. I mean, they yeah. were used to having a rooster, and Lizzie was like, well, it's on me now. And so she would literally crow. It was That's, very interesting. That may have been what happened to her. Maybe that rooster came along and said, no, I'm in charge, Buster. What? Because, you know... No, remember? Right, it wasn't too long after Abe came along that Lizzie disappeared. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah, because I said, "What happened to Lizzie?" Because she she was just gone. She gone. <laughs> they were free ranging at the time. I'm sure the fox got her, but yeah. yeah. Interesting coincidence. Maybe you never know. Okay, so um, are we missing anything about roosters that we need to talk about? We I don't talked about think the ratio. So. That's a big thing. Um, yeah, they're just not they're just not evil demons like everybody says no, they are. No, they're really but not. I really enjoy them. You do. I will say this about a rooster. If you have a rooster that's in charge or the man or whatever of a flock of hens, um, always, even if you're an adult and you've never had a problem out of this rooster, and if you say you, you have children or whatever and your child gets old enough to take off walking or running or whatever, just be very cautious about it because they can sense the size of a child versus a, an adult. And if, oh, absolutely. And if they, if they think, well, I'm not sure what this is yet, but I think I can take it. Just always watch for around your kids and make sure that that rooster is going to be as docile with him or right. her as it is you because that could be the determining factor. And the reason I say that's um, 
I know a person particularly, I spoke to him about it, had a rooster, uh, and he was okay around the adult, uh, but he had a child that turned his back one day, and that rooster jumped up and uh, attacked him from the back, and it was a little kid. Yeah. So you just have to watch. I think that's a great, I mean, that's not our tip of the day, but that's a great tip for any farm animal period but especially the males because you know just because you they may respect your dominance doesn't mean they'll respect Mm -hmm. somebody else's dominance like the geese yeah they see they see our daughter coming a mile away and they know they've got her number because she she's intimidated by them (laughs) they're gonna constantly chase her and pick her but they don't do that stuff with us yeah this one goose we got he's the littlest one of the group and he thinks he is we like... We should have named him Napoleon. Yeah, he thinks he is the biggest, baddest goose on this side of this part of the United States. I mean, yes. he, he just... He would attack a tractor if he knew he... <laughs> but he chases my truck you know, all the time. He's so, such a jerk. I mean, he's ridiculous. So, that's a great tip, Doug. You do need to respect the fact that they can hurt you. They have spurs, and you just need to yeah. be respectful of that yeah. and be ready for changes in their personality. Okay, so that's a great time to transition to um, the broody hen because we have determined that if you, you do not have to have a rooster to have eggs, but you do have to have a rooster to have babies. So I did find an interesting fact when I was looking at my chicken facts for this week, and sperm can stay viable inside of a hen's body for up to two weeks. So I also read... And I don't know, I didn't read a scientific report. This was just some facts. But I also read that if you, if a hen, say, say you have several roosters down there. And say that hen had mated with, so Billy Joel is clearly more dominant than General Omar Bradley. Well, let's say that hen had mated with both of them and she doesn't want to have General Bradley's baby. She can, her body can actually eject and she can have billy joel's sperm instead so that's kind of cool they can kind of the hens can kind of pick and choose um Mm -hmm. who they wanted want to breed with so the it's always people always are worried that if they get farm fresh eggs that they might get a baby chick or Mm -hmm. something in their eggs my parents being one of them Mm -hmm. so um what you have to remember is we talked about it earlier in the facts that they lay that egg at 105 degrees and they have to incubate at 88 degrees for 21 days. So unless you, unless that hen sits on those eggs, I'd say you don't even really start seeing development at all until three or four days. And even then you would be like, oh, what's wrong with this yolk? It doesn't look like a baby chicken. So it's, it's a lot harder to have yeah. that happen, especially with people like us who we are required by law to wash and candle all our eggs. So every egg we sell gets shined with a bright egg candling light. And so we can see inside it. So you're not going to get a, You're not going to get a baby chicken from us. Um, but that hen, not every hen will want to set on eggs. And so when she does, when her little mind, and especially this time of year, like I said, it's spring, everybody's Twitter pated. We're talking about, you know, baby and love are in the air. What they will do is something in their little chicken brain will click and they will say, oh, I want to be a mother. And they will decide to sit a nest. So the hen will sit on that nest and she 
becomes like another creature. <laughs> and if you think a rooster's mean, <laughs> you wait till you mess with the mama hen. <laughs> you wait till you mess with the mama hen. So, oh, especially a kubala. <laughs> uh, yes, they are like uh, crazy moms. So, um, when a hen goes broody, she will sit on those eggs for 21 days. Typically, she will get up once a day. They will go and have a broody poop, which is like they hold their poop in all day long, and they have this massive, disgusting poop like once a day. She'll get a little bit to eat and drink, maybe take a quick dust bath, and she's back on her nest. In the last two or three days of sitting, she will not get up at all. It's very interesting to watch them because it's almost like when they're sitting on that nest, they're almost like in a trance. Mm-hmm. Um, they get very still. They kind of stare, and she does not get up except to turn those eggs and have her one broody poop a day and get a little snack and be done. Um, they do. <laughs> now, that being said, they are very protective of that nest. Yes. So typically, they will not tolerate other chickens coming around them, and they sure don't want you to take their eggs from them. So right now, in the chick wagon, our mobile chicken coop, where our pasture chickens are, are living out on the pasture, we have a black sex link who's gone broody, which is so weird because that yeah. it's very weird for a commercial breed to want to go broody. But she yeah. is sitting down there every time I go down there. And I have to get her out of that nest and she will peck the crap out of me. Yeah. And she doesn't growl very much, but she will no. peck the crap out of you before you jerk her out of there. Um, Doug, you need to do your... Darla. You need to do your... Oh, yeah, we need to talk about Darla. So when we first started doing the Kubalayas, my friend who got us into them... Well, let me let me just make a point right now, sure. real quick. So we have, we have several different uh, types of chickens. Um, but the Kubalaya, I will say, I'm, I'm not a huge fan simply because they are absolutely the flightiest chicken I've ever seen. And anybody says chicken can't fly, they're wrong. If you don't believe me, let me. I got one down here right now. I could probably fly to Winchester. I'm pretty sure. So anyway, so and they want to roost as high as they can go. Yeah, they would probably roost in our tobacco barn if they could yeah, if on they the top could. tier. So the reason, the main reason we do have the Kubalas, number one, is the roosters because the roosters are really docile. They're very protective, and they will die for their ladies. And have. And have. We we've had two or three roosters that's done that. So, the other reason why is because if, let's just say I want to, uh, now you're going to have mixed breeds through these, but these are the mutt chickens that you see around the free ranging and that kind of thing. But like, if I want a hen to set and it's a kubalai, I'm going to put the particular eggs that I want under the kubalai because I promise you, she will fight to the death. And I'm going to tell you how seated these Kubalais are. We had <laughs> we had one named Mizzy. Was it Mizzy? No. No, no. What? No. What? Nellie? No. Millie. Millie. We had a Kubalai. This was back when we used to name our chickens. Yeah. <laughs> We've got way too many to name now. Well, we didn't name them all, but we named for specific ones. So anyway. So we had one named Millie, and she literally sat on a clutch of eggs while three other chickens literally pecked her entire comb off yeah and destroyed her head but she never moved off of that off of those eggs so if you want a good mother if you want to brood some brood some babies or brood some eggs and and babies and all that then you know what kubalai hen is going to be They're the way amazing. to go but you have to have 
depending on what you want, like us, the mixed breed free range and that kind of thing, we look at the egg size, and if we want a big, the bigger breed of chickens, we'll get the bigger egg, and let her, and we'll move hers out and put them in, and she don't know any difference. So. Right. So other breeds that you might want if you want um, good moms and broodiness are, let me think, um, so any of your bantam breeds are usually great moms. They can't um, cover two na- eggs. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> they will sit on big chicken eggs, and they will they raise will. those babies, but they can't sit on very many. Yeah. Um, Polish are great moms usually. Am I saying that right? Cochins. See, these yeah. are all kind of smaller breeds. Um, and the bigger breeds, I think I have read that the Jersey Giants, Giants. are good for that. What else? Am I missing a couple of good broody hens? Uh, I'm trying to think. There's one of the um, the bigger breeds. What? Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. So um, the one thing is we will... Um, the other oh the Sussex are good for that and Orpingtons are good for that also Orpington that's the one that's, that's the one bust, we couldn't yeah. think of so um, if that was I guess that also I'm trying to think of things that people would ask so once that chicken um, that chicken doesn't have to sit on all her own eggs so that's another good thing now you will have occasionally mm-hmm. a mother hen that will go off and she'll hide a nest somewhere oh. so we've got a big tobacco barn it's where we store our hay so every once in a while we'll find a secret nest that somebody has run off to lay and we'll sit on it. Millie, the chicken in question, who was the good mom, we also thought she had gotten taken by a fox or something. We couldn't find her. We were like, where is she? Doug finally found her under our shed and she was sitting on how many eggs? 22. 22. For 22 days, she laid her own eggs under there and then decided it was time to sit. So she was sitting under. <laughs> 22 eggs and yep. i guarantee you if we'd left her under there she'd have come out from that shed with 22 little babies following her out yeah. um so they don't have to lay all their own eggs they will let other a lot of times they're actually very tolerant of other chickens laying on them so that they can scoop their little eggs under them and sit on them and um our friend barb also has found she's also had cases where a chicken will go over into the next nest box tuck tuck one of the eggs under her wing and steal the eggs and take them back over to her spot so um if they want to be a mom they will find a way so 21 days later Mm -hmm. their little babies will hatch um they if you have a mom that's willing to set and brood um, typically you won't have any issues with them turning on the chicks. Every once in a while you'll hear of a case where once the chicks hatch, the mom has turned on them. Um, that happened one time to us. Yeah. And we had to have the, t- we brought the two, we had to bring the two chicks in the living room and raise them in the brooder. Well, and, and, and on the other point, the nine times out of 10, if a hen rejects them, there is something wrong with those, hen- those babies. Right. But these were not. These babies were absolutely fine. She was just a psycho. So um, very rarely will that happen. Usually if they are willing to sit for 21 days and be that good of a mom, then they are a great mom to raise Mm -hmm. them. And it I highly recommend if you ever get the opportunity to do it. It is so fun to watch a mother hen with her chicks. Oh, yeah. I was just um, actually just looked up this picture today for another reason on Twitter. But um, I have a funny picture of Millie. And she looks like a hovercraft with like a million little legs yeah. under her because <laughs> it was got cold and all her babies ran under her and all you see is like a million legs under her body. It was really cute. Yeah. But they're really adorable. They, um, they're, they're, they teach their babies how to scratch. They teach them how to find food. They teach them how to go to bed. 
So especially if you don't have a lot of time and you don't really want to mess with raising chickens in your house or in your garage, it's great just to let the chicken do it. It's no work for you. You don't have to worry about a heat lamp because she keeps them warm. You don't have to worry about trying to show them where the food and water is because she'll do that. So it's we actually love to have the moms raise the babies. It just makes our lives a lot easier. Especially especially for the free rangers. Yeah, definitely for the free rangers. Um, It's harder to do it with the commercial flock just because we're really, really focused on their egg production. But we have the free rangers, and we kind of let them do it. There are secondary flock so and and uh, here's the other bad thing about it is nationally if you have a hen that lays 10 eggs and she wants to set on 62 percent of them it's gonna be roosters yeah that is true you, know? you typically will get a lot of roosters yeah. so um like i said if you don't want to have to deal Meat. with extra roosters right if you don't have a plan for your extra roosters you might prefer to order sexed pullet chickens from a hatchery so that you know you're getting girls um which is a great transition to oh let me before we transition i want to say this about broody hens if you have say you have a hen in your backyard flock that goes broody you don't have a rooster you really don't want her to sit on eggs it's okay honestly other than you just have to you know fight her and risk getting pecked for whatever's under her every day it's okay to let her do that for a little while but we've had a couple of hens that we could not break Mm -hmm. and they literally would sit for 40 days well remember what I said is they typically only want to get up once a day to get a little food and it's just it starts to deplete them you can tell their their um their combs and their waddles get a little pale and you just know they've been sitting too long so it's very hard to break a broody chicken from that but the most I guess successful way we have been able to do it was um, if you put them in a cage that doesn't have a bottom, that's like a screen on the bottom or something that they get airflow, they literally need to cool that thing off, cool it off, <laughs> cool their pants because yeah, they. That's literally what happens. They that get, is they literally heated. what happens. Yeah. They get heated, and if you can get that underside of them cooled off, a lot of times that will be what breaks them. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a rabbit hutch or Um, a live animal trap that you can put her in with some food and water for a few days and see if you can get her kind of away from the nests, away from the eggs, kind of get her out of that habit, then that's probably your best bet. Because you don't want her to sit forever. It's okay if you, you know, have to kick her off the nest every day for a few days. A lot of them will finally get the hint and just give up. But if you've got one that is very persistent, that's a good way to deal with that. So that brings me to the transition to... um, what you do with um, sick chickens or chickens that they're at the end of their life or just extra roosters and stuff like that. So I am a firm believer in, and maybe this is a hard line to take, but I'm a firm believer in that you should not have any animals, a dog, a cat, a goldfish, chickens, cows, whatever, that you either A, are not mentally prepared to do what you need to do for them if they get sick or they're dying, or B, you don't have the resources to do it. So um, I feel like if you're going to, say, let a broody mama sit on eggs and you know there's a good chance that several of those babies are going to be roosters, you need to have a plan in your head um, before that even starts to know what you're going to do with those extra roosters. 
Um, young roosters are absolutely fabulous to put in the pressure cooker and you can shred that meat off and use it in casseroles and you can make amazing chicken stock mm-hmm. with it. Um, even the ones that are not meat breeds. We, um, some of the best pot pie I've ever had, yeah. we made with some extra Kubala cockerels that we, that was just, we couldn't keep that many roosters. And so we killed the extra roosters while they were young and that's what we did. Um, but if you feel like that is not for you and you can't take a chicken's life, then you need to have a plan for that. So you either need to have somebody you can sell them to or somebody um, come and get them. So I can, can come and get them and they can use them for meat or whatever. So <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time we went and picked up a bunch of chicken. <laughs> no. So make sure that you have a plan for that would be my first thing yeah. to say. Um, and then also along the same lines, you always want to make sure you have a plan for what you're going to do if you have a chicken that needs to be euthanized. So if you have a chicken who is very, very ill or she is dying, if you don't want to let that process go on naturally or you feel like it is more humane to euthanize her, you need to be either A, prepared to do it yourself, or B, have a vet that you will be willing to put down a chicken. Um, There are two ways. This is kind of where it gets a little bit of a sad talk, but we're going to talk about it because you got to know these things for chicken keeping. That's reality. It is reality. It's reality. There are two ways ways that the American Veterinary Association, I hope I'm saying that right, um, recognizes as humane euthanasia for chickens or poultry. One is um, beheading, basically, and the other one is cervical dislocation. So when our little grannies went out in the chicken yard and wrung the chicken's neck for chicken dinner on Sunday afternoon, that actually was... Um, the most humane thing to do. You'll see a lot of people on line talking about how they will talk to their hen and ask her when it's time to go. And then they'll hang her upside down and cut her jugulars and let her bleed out slowly. That is not recognized by American Veterinary Association as being humane. Um, we do not do it that way. We, uh, we do the beheading um, is how we um, euthanize or humanely slaughter our poultry um if you want there is an excellent 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 article about that by a vet that is on the chicken chicks website so if you want to go to the chicken chick um, i think it's the chicken and look up euthanasia she has got an amazing article about it it cites all the information from the metro american veterinary association and it also has a very detailed um basically instructions for how to do cervical dislocation if you have a hen that needs to be euthanized um you basically um just take their head and you bend it and that's done um which sounds terrible but it is reality and you want to make and you would not you would not want that for yourself to suffer and so I don't want that for my animals either so I want to know the most humane way to do that now if you're very lucky and you have a vet Here's the other thing, and when we talk about a little bit about chicken health, there are very few vets that are willing to see um, chickens. So most of your country vets are not going to see chickens. Now, if you need some medication or something like that, they'll give it to you. But um, now, a lot of them will put a chicken down for you. So if you if you want it euthanized, a lot of them will do that. But the, the main thing I'm trying to drive home is that you want to make sure – that you talk to that vet 
in your area and see if they're how much they're willing to do for your backyard chicken flock before you even get chickens in my opinion if mm-hmm. you're not willing to be or not willing not even not necessarily willing but maybe maybe you're not physically able to do that thing because you maybe have some disabilities or something like that so just have a plan in mind because the day will come where you'll have a chicken that you don't don't want to suffer you wouldn't let your dog suffer in that way so you wouldn't let your chicken especially if they're your pets and you love them so um there is a fabulous so I've already mentioned the chicken chick um she has some great articles about euthanasia about vets and about health for your chickens um and then there's some great books as well so one of the books that I love that I'm gonna I've got right here with me is called the chicken health handbook a complete guide to maximizing flock health and dealing with disease. It's by Gail Damoreau, who is the author of Stories Guide to Raising Chickens, which is also a great book. But this is absolutely packed with information about everything from treating wounds to laryngeotracheitis to um, if they get mold in their food and what could happen when you do that, if they get pneumonia, if they get coccidia. Um, what to do if they rip a toenail off. I mean, it's it's really great and has a lot of really wonderful resources in it. Um, a lot of your chicken books will have small sections on health, but if you want something that is absolutely specifically for that, this is the book for you. Um, Doug, do you have anything you want to add about chicken health or end of life for your chickens and that kind of thing? Uh, no. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh I really can't think of anything. You, I mean, you covered everything pretty well. Um, just, you know, a chicken is no different uh, from any other farm animal or your pet dog, whatever. You know, you just have to remember their limited years uh, compared to us. So you're going to have to deal with that. If you're going to be some kind of owner of some type of farm animal, whether it be backyard or like us commercially or you're gonna have to deal with that um so just keep that in mind and that i don't want to discourage nobody but you know that that mentally that that mental uh part of you needs to be like okay well that's something i want to deal with or you know and and i'm gonna gonna tell you what so at a very young age um our children um i made them watch um i don't want to say well i'm just going to say slaughter so the extra roosters that we had uh, i made our children watch because there's a a end of end of age uh, versus um taking something for meat Mm -hmm. it's about the same concept it's just you don't want either one like the the end of life you don't want to suffer right the other one is you're actually producing food for yourself or other and you also don't want it to suffer yeah. you want to do that as in in a humane yeah. as and respectful way as possible. as possible so at an early age i made them watch um i think it was very important to them and it was very important to me because the reality is, is something has to die Mm-hmm. in order for you to have food right i mean so, we had three kids that you know, love chicken nuggets yeah. and they don't come in a happy meal box no. they 
that a chicken lost yeah. its life for those chicken nuggets. And that was very important to us to impress upon our children. Yeah. And it was a great experience. And, and of course they were sad. I mean, it is a, I do, I never, and Doug, I'm speaking for you on this as well. We never, ever take a life on this farm or hunting that we don't do so respectfully and with so much gratitude and appreciation to yeah. that animal for giving itself, let it, we are harvesting it to keep our lives going. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's a big thing. And I would never, ever, ever do that lightly or take it lightly. Yeah. But after the initial, um, um, after we um, put their, take their heads off, um, then we cleaned them and got them ready for cooking. And at that point, you know, they were a little bit sad, like, oh, that's sad to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, you're taking a life. So mm-hmm. that was very important that they understand the gravity of that. But then it was amazing, too, because it kind of almost turned into a science lesson. Like we got to say, here's the heart and here's the yeah. lungs and this is the liver and the liver cleans the toxins from the body. And, you know, we could, and uh, the, yeah, the uh, crop and the kidneys. And they were absolutely fascinated. So it was a, an amazing learning time, too. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that, and that is not for everybody. We do not, no. we are not sitting here on this podcast encouraging you to get backyard chickens and no, then saying that no, you need no, to no. raise your own meat. No, because I'm going to tell you what, if you're a backyard person and, and you, you have to have an area to do this, you know, that that's another thing is you have to have a designated area. Right. I would this, not recommend you know. butchering chickens you out in your <laughs> garage in you front go, of your neighbors. Yeah, you go doing this in a subdivision somewhere, yeah, you're going to cause a problem here in about that, a week. <laughs> yeah, that might get somebody's attention. So, so anyway. Um, and, and, and it is completely 100% okay mm-hmm. to be a vegetarian and eat eggs and have zero desire to take the chicken's yeah. life. And that is completely okay. I do just want to make sure that the reason we wanted to bring this up is because there may come a time where your chicken is ill and needs to be euthanized, or there may come a time that you need to do that for some other reason. And so I just want to make sure everybody kind of gets a plan in their mind of how they're going to deal with that or what they're going to do with extra roosters or what have you. So if you are not someone who has any desire to ever take a life of your chicken and you, they are your pets and you're going to name them and that is a hundred percent fine. And when I'm an old lady someday, that's probably what I'm going to do, to be honest. Um, if I'm lucky enough to still have a chicken to have farms, they'll probably be all my little girlfriends and we will just all live together like the golden girls and we'll die a natural yeah. death, I hope. But, um, but that is completely fine. I just want to make sure people have an idea of how, if something happens that they're going to be able to do that. Maybe they don't need to get straight run because they don't have something to do with the extra roosters. Maybe you don't let a broody hen sit because you don't know what you're going to do with the extra roosters. You just need to have a plan in place before you do that. Yeah. Let me tell you our, very good friend who we got Tom Bombadil from the donkey. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to hear his whole story, but who runs the animal shelter, they will get roosters dropped off at the pound and it is extremely hard for them to place them. Yeah. Um, For that very reason, they've asked us sometimes if we can take them. And at the time we, we had just the number of roosters we needed for those hens without stressing our hens and causing issues. So um, we weren't able to take them. So, you can't just dump these extra birds off at the pound. You can't, you have to know what you're going to do with them. So that's extremely important yeah. before you ever put the first chicken in your house or not your house. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. Some people, have some, people, some people keep house chickens with diapers. Yeah. You do you. 
Um, Doug, what else have we left out about Chicken Keeping 101 that we need to touch on? Eh, I don't know. I think we've pretty well we've pretty well hit ever. Or at least given yeah, we've, resources we've, to go to. Yeah, we've pretty much given baselines of everything. Um, but then again, uh, if you listen to this podcast, you look at our Instagram, Facebook, YouTube channel, there is a way to get in touch with us. Or if you know a farmer that deals with chickens, uh, please. Oh, we would These, love to hear yeah. your questions. Yeah. We would love to try to answer them. I mean, we started as... Yeah. I mean, you're like we had said, your people had chickens, but yeah, you didn't have yeah. a whole lot to do with them growing up other than like, you know, them. butchering day or feeding them or whatever. Yeah. So, um, we've learned a lot. I have I have stitched up chickens. I have Turkeys. given Yes, I stitched up a turkey on my coffee table. I have given injections to chickens. I have medicated chickens when yeah. they needed it. I have Learned a lot by trial and error, and we would love to share our knowledge with you. So please, please, please drop yeah. us an email, comment somewhere. I'll find you. Find us on Instagram or Facebook. We would love to help you because I would like everybody to keep chickens. Yeah. They're and great. Don't, and don't be afraid to ask people. Don't no, be afraid. absolutely not. And um, it's kind of timely um, because, um, of course, as all of you know who are listening to this right now, we are in the middle of a world pandemic with the COVID-19 mm-hmm. um, coronavirus. And I've had so many people at the hospital come up to me and say, you know, I think we're going to do chickens this year. This is really, yeah. you know, we had a hard time getting eggs. And we are, have literally been sold out of eggs this entire spring because they're not in the grocery stores. And our food supply got interrupted. And I would, if this doesn't give you, if you needed one more last encouragement to maybe start your own flock, let this be it. Because anytime you can be more self-reliant, it's wonderful. And you know exactly what's going into those eggs and you're collecting them. Yeah. And it's so rewarding. Um, and so if you, it, we would like to have everybody start their own flock. And if we can be of any help with that, we would love to help you, even if it's just answering a question. Um so on along those lines, unless you all have any questions, we'll wrap up our chip, Chicken Keeping 101. And Doug, you will give us our tip of the week for the week. I will. This is going to be on a totally different line, but it's very important. So uh, those of you out there that um, do cattle, have cattle, small, big, whatever, um, the spring flush has come upon us rather quickly. Yeah. Um, which we were afraid it would. We had tons of rain, a mild winter, and then we thought Um, it's just going to green up in a heartbeat. Yeah. So usually start um, in February with uh, high mag mineral for your livestock. And why do we need high mag mineral, Well, we don't don't want them to get grass tetany. Okay. uh, Because of the sugars in the grass that's that's coming up. uh, It's just more than, than the gut can handle, and it just gives them tetany. Um, and also, um, and it, we're, we're getting really good grass right now. Um, the legumes are not as aggressive that I have seen yet right now. No, me either. So, but um, we actually started because of the mild um, winter. I actually started my high mag winter in January, and I'm so glad we did because yeah. our, our pastures are absolutely wide open right now. So uh, just get you some high mag mineral. The legumes are really the bad part. So tell, like, the legumes are like clover, alfalfa. Alfalfa are two big ones. Those are the big ones around here, at least. 
Because what the, what happens is is you mix them in, and they're a very nice protein for your livestock, and they do great. But because of the sugar content in legumes as well, uh, if the percentage, and I, I, I don't want to give you a percentage right now because if I told you a number, then yeah, I, I, I would lie. Yeah, and I don't want to tell wrong, but, too. So. Uh, there's a certain percentage of legume versus grass that uh, if the naturally because of the sugar content in the legumes the cattle's going to go for the legumes first so if you have i'm just going to put out a just a it's like if you set some cereal in front of a kid and you had lucky charms over here and like plain shredded wheat over here yeah (laughs) they're gonna go for the lucky charms yeah well yeah that ain't a very good. That's a great example. They're going to want the sugary cereal over the plain lucky, Cheerios. If you have Lucky Charms versus eggs and oatmeal. Okay, fine. All right. So your cattle's going to go for those legumes first. And after the, if they eat too many of those legumes at one time, uh, and if, the glu- if they are wet, then it could give them uh, bloat. Uh, and if you've never seen bloat, it's terrible. A cow will actually literally expand right and and then you know so it won't be so when will we put our bloat blocks out a little bit in a little while well it's you know it's hard to tell because to be honest with you if i was if i was i would just do it now and that way to get in our system because if if this mild weather keeps up and the temperatures keep up then we're going to start seeing some legumes come on oh yeah the clover will be crazy i mean the clover's beginning to show a little bit with us but not a great deal but you know here we are we're getting some more rain and if these temperatures stay in the 70s you know it's going to come on yeah i mean folks i've got grass that's literally 10 inches tall yeah absolutely so I'm and we're I'm not sorry. even into april yet yeah so you know put your high mag mineral out put your children. high mag mineral out put <laughs> your bloat block out if you've and got again, a lot of legumes if you if you have a donkey with your friends make sure yeah. that it's for all animals and yeah. not make sure it's equine safe yeah especially <laughs> ours uh, is fine for tom yeah, bombadil especially uh, I, I don't personally know this but i know because i don't raise sheep but i know people that have sheep and people that do they have a guard donkey with them or whatever they have to be very cautious about putting that uh was it the feed or the mineral out the sheep eat because it has that uh, uh remensin in it remensin in it yeah. yeah so anytime you're given anything extra yeah. to your animals just make sure it's safe for everybody who lives in the field that's right good tip doug <clears throat> all right well we appreciate you listening to us we know this mm-hmm. one went a little bit long but we wanted to wrap up all the chicken stuff so we appreciate you um please follow us on youtube subscribe to our channel we are southern songbird farm on their instagram and facebook so we look forward to seeing you drop us a line drop us a comment you can also go to our website www.southernsongbirdfarm.com and we can you can hit the email button and contact us through there too so until next time we appreciate you listening thanks so much all right good day folks